All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Totally Unbiased Sports. If you're wondering why I am doing the introduction and not Josh, it's because uh, Josh is currently homeless right now, can't record the podcast, Uh, should be back next week, but we have a guest co-host, recurring guest of the show, uh, Trey Tucker is here. How are you doing, Tuck? Doing good, man. I'm glad to be here. I was all, you know, I've been looking as like that in that in that intern role for a while as as my opportunity to step in. Um, I wouldn't say that I see this as my Tom Brady moment, so to speak, you know, coming in because I was always going to be drafted first overall, so it can't really be a Brady moment. Um, but you know, the, the time is right. The time is now. Uh, so here I am. Is uh, is Josh on the hot seat right now? I wouldn't say that he's on the hot seat because that means you have a seat at the table. Oh, okay. So fighting words right out of the gate. I got, I got you. I see how it is. So Josh is on notice officially. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's on notice, right? Oh, there's no need to be corrected there. Okay. All right, cool. Well, it is episode 46 and, um, you know, we always have an athlete for each episode number. So, uh, episode 46, I'm going with newly acquired Chicago White Sox, Craig Kimbrell. From from the north side to the south side, you know him very well as a Braves fan. So, uh, yes, Tuck, you got you got no, you got number forty six there. I do, and my number forty six doesn't give up game tying home runs in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Neither did mine. Four, uh, Craig Kimbrell definitely gave up a game tying uh, home run like last week, like, week before. Like maybe once in his life, he's so good. Oh, okay, he's so dirty. got it. Well, yeah. mine didn't do that. Mine actually. Very famous as a Hall of Famer. I've got Lou Groza, the toe. Offensive tackle and kicker. 21 seasons in the NFL. Throwing it way back. And who did he play for? Well, it depends on what time in his career. Um, multiple teams, the Browns mainly. Um, okay. Kind of an end of an era for them where they actually had at least one player that could score points. Okay. So uh, Craig Kimbrell and whoever Tuck said. That, that's their number 46. Um, and because, you know, we're talking about baseball, I don't really know what Tuck was throwing out there. I really don't. Never heard of him before. Call myself an NFL fan. Clearly not. Uh, but we're starting with baseball. And um, I guess how I will introduce this is the White Sox are the best team of all time. Is that is that a fair assumption? Eloy Jimenez is, is better than Barry Bonds. He's he went on the IL for 60 days and he acquired the powers of Jesus Christ. Perhaps I don't know what's happening, but the White Sox are the team to be in baseball, right? I'll say he, he. I'll say that Jimenez came out of nowhere uh, from what he was doing earlier this season. I mean, I see the White Sox are up eight nothing right now, so you know, having a good day there, Kellen. Uh, I wouldn't say that the, the White Sox are the best team in baseball though, and here's why. When I first came on this show, I think the second time I came on this show early this year. You know, you asked me for my World Series prediction. I told you it was going to be the Braves, the White Sox, and the Braves are going to take it home. And as of right now, we're still on track for that. All right? <laughs> White Sox have a winning record. Braves have a winning record. There's no difference there. Two winning records, two great teams. So, I mean, we're on track to, to bring it to Atlanta, baby. So so correct me if I'm wrong. The Braves are, do not have a playoff spot as we are recording this podcast. Uh, you, you must have misheard me. What I said was they have a spot in the World Series beating the Chicago White Sox. 
No, you must, Tuck, Tuck, you must have misheard me, actually. Correct me if I'm wrong, they do not sit in a postseason spot as we are recording this podcast. It's not the postseason. Nobody sits in a postseason spot. I, I'm not, I, I forget, I, like, talking to you is like talking to a brick wall sometimes, so we're just not going not gonna to get into it. But we had the Crosstown Classic this last weekend. White Sox swept the Cubs. Felt good. Felt really good. Uh, no bad vibes from that series. They're putting on the Twins as we speak right now. I got to ask you real quick before we move yeah. on there about the, the Crosstown Classic there. Mm-hmm. Does it really feel like you truly beat the Cubs now that most of what was the core of the modern-day Cubs is hitting bombs for other teams? Or did it just feel like you were beating up on the old 108-year drought Cubs? That's a fair question. That's absolutely a fair question. What I I will say is when you beat the Cubs and you really curb stomped them like you just did, you just really emasculated them, ended, I don't know, maybe their franchise for the next 15 years or so. It's not it's not you're just beating the players. You're beating their entire fan base. And that's what really makes it feel special. I it took all my strength uh, to not text my family, who is mostly Cubs fans. Uh, during that series because they always get angry with me when I do that, and I'm not trying to ruffle feathers right now. But it, you're really – when you're facing the Cubs, it's not just the Cubs. It's the fan base. It's the ownership. It's Wrigley Field. You're beating all those people, and a lot of people do it, and a lot of people enjoy it. It's really fun. I mean, the Braves do it, you know, twice a year typically. Well, I, I get that it's enjoyable and it's fun, but I feel like there's – I don't know. To me – I feel like it's more enjoyable to beat your rival when they're not getting just hammered by everybody. And I feel like now the Cubs, like if you if you were beating them, you know, in April, it'd be different than beating them in July or in August because the, the Cubs of August are not the Cubs of April, um, especially without that core. See, ordinarily you would probably be right, and probably in any situation with any other rival you would be right. But there's almost nothing more enjoyable than kicking the Cubs while they're down. I I really enjoy that. Like even more than they're at the top, they're they're winning games and then smoking them in a series. That feels great too. Don't get me wrong. But kicking them while they're down, ooh ooh, divine. Does that make sense? Oh, of course I understand. Okay, I just want just wanted to make sure you know we're we're on the same page there. We do have some other MLB notes, uh, other stuff is happening. You're, you're also a Red Sox fan, correct? Uh, yeah. Dude, they stink right now. Hey, you know, that's uh, that's historically what I'm used to. So I have an AL and an NL team, right? Obviously, the Braves are my favorite, but I, I have an AL team and the Red Sox there. Uh, just because I think it's different baseball. And since I've been alive, there has never been a time where both were good. Not great, even. There has never been a time when both were consistently good. Not one year. In 2013, when the Red Sox won the World Series, the Braves were fighting for one of the worst records in baseball. When I say fighting, I mean getting blown out. 12 to nothing, 15 to nothing. They were pulling their starter before an out was made. Uh, it It was ugly. And, you know, in the early 2000s, except for 2004, when the Braves were making their you know, NLCS runs before getting beaten the NLCS year after year after year. The Red Sox were getting curb stopped by the Yankees, except for 2004. 
So uh, it's. But what about 07? I feel like the Braves might have been good in 07. I don't know. They they were they were uh, going to a playoff spot, and if I remember correctly, it was either Infante or Chipper that got hurt around mid July, and mm-hmm. it just it tanked us the rest of the year. Yeah, that'll do it for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, but, you know, going back to the Red Sox, they're really struggling coming out, out of the All-Star break. They have one of the worst records in baseball since the All-Star break. Doesn't help that the three best records since the All-Star break in baseball belong to the Rays, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. That that That's not helpful to them at all. And yeah. uh, they do have Chris Sale coming back. I know you're not a Chris Sale guy. I just imagine his arm right now. Like, you know when you go to a nice, uh, like, uh, barbecue place and they have that that rib and they want to show you how tender it is and just like the meat falls right off the bone that's chris sales arm right now uh, that, that's been his arm his entire career that's what i really said his, 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 his entire his entire boston career that's true that's true his, i'll give you that his entire boston career uh but like i said Chris Sales is the worst starting pitcher in baseball. <laughs> it's been that way since he got to Boston. And people say, oh, look at this stat, look at that stat. Here's a stat that actually matters. Chris Sale has never cost any contract since he got to Boston less than $120 million. Not one. Okay? With that money, we have gotten one strikeout in game six or seven of the World Series. That's what we've gotten from him. That's it. Game, game, game five. five. Okay. In five, yeah. We got it was one strikeout. Yeah, got got one strikeout. That's it. Nothing else he's done in Boston has mattered. It, it hasn't. He hasn't helped the team in other ways because what he does is he's a five-inning guy for a team that perennially does not invest enough in their bullpen. And when you're a five-inning guy with a team that doesn't invest enough in their bullpen, all you're doing is screwing over six, seven, and eight. And that's what he's done his entire career with Boston. But that's not really his fault that they don't invest in bullpen help. I mean, it's he's his fault that he's five, a five-inning guy. He's giving them five good innings, though. The five good innings aren't enough. They're that's, not. that's like the modern pitcher at this point, though. I completely disagree. Look at Scherzer. Look at DeGrom. Okay, well, DeGrom is always on the IL now, so he's not giving, giving the Mets any innings. We're going to get to uh. the Mets in a second, too. Well, I mean, I love talking about the Mets because I love Pete Alonzo. And I also love that the Braves typically beat the shit out of the Mets. But that's for a different story. Uh, But if we're talking about other stories in baseball, I really feel like there's one story that stands out. Well, I guess two. But one main one. Um, I don't know if you know of a guy named Ozzy Albies. Uh, The Braves found him at the uh, Dollar General, essentially, for his 10-year deal. Um, he might be the best right-handed hitter in baseball. He might be. He's a switch hitter, but when he's batting righty, he's probably the best hitter in baseball. Dude, Ozzy Albies would have the most team-friendly deal in baseball history if Ronald Acuna's deal didn't exist. They have the two yeah. best deals in baseball ever that I've ever seen. Yeah, and that's why they're paying, I they're paying Albies. They're paying Albies, who's, in my opinion, a top three second baseman, which, you know, it's not the strongest position, but he does a great job there. They're paying him $7 million a year. Yep. For five. five. Aren't they paying him five? No, so he's getting five guaranteed up to 10 per year, but it's been around seven most years. It's a um, joke. For for 10 years, though. That is a joke. Like, he'll make make that back in jersey sales in a month or something like that. It's not. It's insane. 
but yeah, also also Acuna's deal exists, which is even more unfair. I don't I don't even know the numbers on his, but it's similar, and he's like ten times the player Albies is. It, it's it's similar, and they're they're both you know they're both the future of the Braves along with Freeman. Um, I will say it's the one thing upsetting me about the Braves right now. Uh, we haven't given Freeman his next contract, and he's up at the end of the year, so that terrifies me because you know it's the Braves. Um, but if we're looking at other stories in baseball, um, so I mean obviously you are living here in Dallas with me, um, you know, and I was driving through and having to drive through SMU's campus the other day, uh, Southern Methodist University, for those that don't know. Um, and as I was driving through, I was just thinking, I was like, I'm wondering how many of these dorm rooms uh, Trevor Bauer has been into. So I, I just, I have to wonder, you know, like he, he did it in California, all right, out there in LA, and he's in trouble for it. But now that he doesn't have to show up to baseball anymore, I mean, how many college and dorm rooms is this guy going to visit before we're done? Yeah, I'm... I don't I don't even know what to say about that. I'm just happy he's not playing baseball. I yeah, I'm just happy he's not playing baseball. I feel like your That's focus all. should be that he's not doing something else. Yeah, that too, of course, certainly. Yeah. Other things significantly worse. Yes. But hey, I'll, speaking of SMU, I'll tell you what, they they hype up that campus for being beautiful a lot. It's got nothing on on Baylor. It really it really has nothing on Baylor. Am am I am I wrong about that? I think the, the one thing they have that Baylor doesn't have, um, and this, I guess two things really, but the one main thing they have is that they're, they're in a nice city in Dallas, right? Uh, oh, Baylor's wait. great. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm the largest Waco fan in the world. I'm not. The other thing they have, though, is a losing record, which, you know, Baylor just isn't used to. True. Good point. So you have to take a lot of pride in the campus. There you go. See, there you go. Yeah, put two and two together on that one, certainly. Yeah, but I do want to get uh, talk about this one last thing in baseball, and it's the Mets, who are just always a funny team. And the reason I really enjoy the Mets so much is they're just two amazing characters that are a part of that franchise and will really forever be embedded in that team's history. One is the current owner, Steve Cohen, who is just a doofus and – I don't think he's any better than the Wilpons were. So, sorry, Mets. You're literally in purgatory, limbo, whatever you want to call it right now. The other character is Frank the Tank. He's the greatest Mets fan of all time. Arguably the greatest sports fan of all time. Uh, Are you not a Frank the Tank guy? I've never heard Frank say anything positive about the Mets. It's because, you know, he, 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 he... he gives him tough love, and he says good things about Degrom. You probably don't like Tank because of his Alonzo stuff. He doesn't like Alonzo. No, I actually don't have any issue with that because most of the stuff he says about Alonzo is true. He he does have a high, high, high strikeout rate for somebody whose average is around 240. Um, now he hits absolute moonshots and might be the best power hitter of the modern era. Um, Greatest home run derby champion of all time. It it has to be. Yeah, the, the numbers he puts up are insane. Um, and I honestly think that he should get a starting spot just for that every year. Because, uh, I mean, that's where he's making most of his money right now. But I just, I'm not a huge fan of people that say they're a fan of a team, yet are completely incapable of saying anything positive about the team. So, like, you're right. He talks positive about DeGrom. I'll give you that. 
But he never talks about positive as DeGrom as like, oh, the Mets pitcher DeGrom. No, he separates him out like he's a different entity. You, you know who you kind of just described there, Tuck? Yeah. Is yourself. I know. <laughs> you, so, I, I, explain. Please explain. Elaborate further. So, for each of my teams, we can go sport by sport here, uh, I have one thing that I continually reuse as my positive factor, right? So that I do have at least one thing as positive. The Braves, for example, the, the contract management is what it's been. Okay, it used to be their farm system. Now it's contract management. I'm extremely happy with the way they handle contracts. Looking at Albies, looking at Acuna, I know for a fact Freeman's going to get some wonderful deal. Freed is getting a good deal. Soroka's getting a good deal. And good for the team, not just the player. Uh, when I look at Florida, right? Not a huge Dan Mullen fan. Don't think they're going to do this that well this really? year. Yeah, not a big Dan Mullen fan. Um, it to compartmentalize. He doesn't touch the defense at all, and our defense needed it, right? So my one thing typically I'm happy about with Florida, cornerback play. We're, we're, we're DBU. I don't care what LSU says. I don't care what that floundering UT team says. Okay, DBU is Florida. It always yeah. has been. It always will be. It is so LSU, though. <laughs> it is so it, It's LSU. not. If you look at the numbers, if you really look at the numbers of cornerbacks turned out, it's not. Maybe okay, but I'm talking like last 15 years. It's LSU for even not not even the last 15 years. You're looking at Matt Elam. You're looking at Keanu Neal. You're looking at uh, Vernon Hargraves the third. I I haven't heard of any of those guys, dude. Let's let's talk about guys that are consistent Pro Bowlers. Okay. Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew. Two. Those guys. There's two. I, I mean, I can't. I'm sorry, There's I can't list every LSU. Era. I can't list every LSU player of all time. Jamal Adams. There we go. God. I don't know if I'd call him, like, I mean, I guess technically. That isn't the guys him. you named. Not not really. Vernon Hargraves last year had one of the uh, lowest catch percentages in the NFL. I'll tell you what. Jamal Adams was not worth what the Seahawks gave up to get him, though. That's. He, I'm not saying those guys aren't solid, but if you just look at the numbers of the solid quarterbacks turned out that stay in the league multiple years – it's been Florida. It always will be Florida. What were we talking about the Mets? Yeah, but we were talking about Peter Longo. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how we got here. So we're talking about Frank the Tank not being able to say anything yes. positive about his team. So I have okay. one positive thing about all my teams. Right? Okay. Uh, positive. What, what positive thing has he said about the Mets ever? DeGrom. No, 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 no. I talked about that. He separates. He never says the Mets pitcher DeGrom or anything like that. He says – DeGrom. He separates it out. It's separate from the team in his head. I, I don't think you could be inside his head. Nobody can be inside that head. That that place is... 50 it, people it, can fit inside his body. No, I'm not saying that. In, you know, let's not be making some size jokes here, Tuck, okay? I'm talking about that That man is an enigma wrapped in mystery, okay? He is he's just a legend, okay? That's all, that's all I'm saying. He's a legend. That's different, though. I'm saying he's the best sports fan. Okay, but yeah, I did say he's the best sports fan. Maybe that was maybe that was too far. I I will say he's just. I, what I meant was. He's a national way, treasure. He, he he's a national treasure. He's one of the greatest characters in the game. Yes, absolutely. Undisputed. Okay. But and honestly, I truly believe that. Uh, I I truly believe that he and Jose Canseco's daughter should get together. <laughs> Canseco lost. All right. In my opinion, you lose, you know. I think he lost because Frank the Tank was in his head. 
Oh, Tank was definitely in his head. I mean, that, that's just a fact. But I, I don't know about I don't I don't know about uh, daughters being involved. I, I don't know where that would go. But basically, the way I led this whole conversation off talking about Steve Cohen, I want to read you two tweets by Steve Cohen uh, that he tweeted out right before uh, their sweep against the Phillies, where they got swept by the Phillies, and I think they got one hit by Zach Wheeler, something like that. Uh, I'm so sorry, my phone turned on. My goodness, let's let, let's try to act professional here, Tuck. Okay. I'm trying let's my just, best. I'm trying my best. Add a little professionalism. Act like you've been here before. Okay. Are you going to act like you've been here before, Tuck? I have been. Okay. All right. All right. You have. You have, actually. Um, but Steve Cohen tweeted out, how about a little positive energy for this weekend? I'm feeling the offense is going to get it going. Great call. Great call. And then he tweeted out, I just visited the players in the clubhouse. They are ready and in a good frame of mind for this game, where they proceeded to get one hit by Zach Wheeler. So... It's just that time of year, again, where the Mets just go into a tailspin, it seems like. It's later than it usually is, which is so good for them, but they're in a tailspin, right? Well, they're totally in a tailspin. Um, But I guess, you know, if you never actually talk to a single player on the team that you own, you might think that they're in a good frame of mind. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a Mets player actually in a good frame of mind. No. I mean, I haven't seen DeGrom smile in two years. Why would you? That's what I'm saying. He's out there yeah. one-hitting guys, throwing 102, and I, I've never seen him smile. Taking losses, too. The only Wait. time Alonzo is smiling is when he's winning the home run derby. Yeah. He's barely even wearing a Mets uniform at that point. It's tough. That's why he's happy. Yeah. It's uh, I don't, I don't like – it's not like I dislike the Mets or anything. I know you do, but – I just love bringing them up because these two characters that are so pivotal and and their franchise are just so opposite of each other and they're so they're, they're both buffoons. The Mets are special in the same way as Vandy is to SEC football, right? Or Texas Tech is to Big Twelve football. They're they're I'd special. Say, I'd say Texas Tech is the better example. Yeah, Texas Tech is a better example. They're special in the way that the 2008 Lions were special, right? You have to watch. It's must-see TV, and it's never for the right reason. It's it's really amazing because they could, I mean, like we've we've seen they could be the worst team in baseball, and, you know, they're going to implode exactly as they would if they were one of the best teams in baseball. It's always the same, like – you look back at 2015, they made the World Series, and you have you have uh, Daniel Murphy booting balls at second base, losing them games against the Royals. I mean, they lost the World Series against the Royals. How how, how do you let that happen? I'm surprised that either one of those teams made it to the World Series. Exactly. And honestly, yeah, I mean the— If there was ever a give-me World Series, just an absolute softball toss-up, it was that one, and they lost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, and those guys were there too. And Daniel Murphy was crushing the ball at the time. He had a decent offense. Cespedes was actually healthy during those days. And then on top of that, you got Degrom. You have Cindergard, who was actually better than Degrom at the time. It was just, just weird. That. Yeah. You know what I will give to it's the, just Mets? the Mets. It's the Mets. I, I'll last note on the Mets. I will give them credit. Whoever they have in their contracts department. Is, is truly the national treasure here. 
Because they somehow find a way to make the worst team-friendly contracts in the history of sports. I mean, we all know Bobby Bonilla, but at the same time, just look at almost every Mets player, right? Let's look at Lindor, okay? Everybody knew the guy was going to have a drop-off season because the numbers he was putting up weren't they, they weren't sustainable for a shortstop of, of his size. And what do the Mets do? Let's give him the whole bank. The, I, I think Lindor is a great player. Definitely overpaid for him. Yeah, but if you, what he was putting up, they paid for what he had been putting up in the past, not what was sustainable from him. Yeah. If they paid him 270 and 20 home run money, then okay. But they paid 340 and 40 home run money. Yeah, yeah, and now he can't even stay healthy. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, so, I mean, that's baseball for you pretty much. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, some NFL talk now, if that's okay. Uh, see how prepared you are on this. We had, you know, a couple things are happening in the NFL. You got training camp starting. Big thing that happened is you had the Hall of Fame induction. Some big names got inducted. And, you know, in honor of Josh, who would love to be hosting the podcast today, but just can't because he's homeless currently. Two all-time legends in Steelers history. One of the greatest, uh, to me, like the most Pittsburgh coach of all time. Bill Cowher. I, I don't know. I don't know my Pittsburgh sports history as well as Josh, certainly. But I think uh, he might agree with me on like that dude just oozes the city of Pittsburgh. He's just the perfect face. Legendary coach. He want, want, got his ring with the Steelers. His very last year coach in there. Uh, actually retired when he was like 50. So he didn't coach crazy long. I mean, he coached he, he coached there a while. But, you know, he started out there really young. Uh, but Bill Cowher, all-time legend. And then, of course, you got Troy Polamalu, in my opinion, the greatest safety of all time. So I know I know that's a stretch uh, for some people, but longevity, just numbers. I mean, his athleticism, it's hard to argue that. I, I love I love Troy Polamalu, and I, I watch his highlights like anybody else. It's crazy what he could do. I think with safeties, though, you, you have to say one of the greatest. Because what he did was different than, say, a Sean Taylor or a Pat Tillman or an Ed Reed, right? Um, some guys, in my opinion, should be in that conversation, especially Ed Reed. And I think the way they change the game, like you're playing against Palomalu, you're you're basically scheming your offense for 10 guys and then just saying, we pray to God he didn't figure out what we're doing. But when you're scheming for Ed Reed, you're set, you know, you're scheming for 11 guys and praying one of them doesn't decide to end your career. Yeah. So he, here's my thing. I, I agree with you in terms of talent. I, Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, right next, right next to Palomalo on the list. They didn't line up in the C gap against Pat McAfee though. They didn't do that. That's true. Okay. I he he's a part of. One of the most hilarious sound bites I've ever heard. Uh, I mean, Pat McAfee is hilarious. It's just like Palalamu. Let, <laughs> let me ask you this. Okay. Because I'm not sure, and and this isn't this isn't me trying to, to, to suck up to Pat McAfee or something or trash Palalamu. It's not that at all. I'm just saying, the one time in his career that McAfee got a chance to hit somebody, he laid the boom. In a Palomalu style, right? Shoulder in the middle of the chest, up high, driving it into the ground. Okay? Mm -hmm. Are we entirely sure 
that McAfee doesn't win that battle and fight his way into the goal line there? Because I'm not. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, uh, we are entirely sure. Said, I mean, quoted by Pat McAfee himself, like he would have picked him up and carried him into the other end zone. That's how. That's how much he would have been ran over by the train that is Troy Polamalu. But that's that's a very humble guy that ended his career early, deciding to honor a star by saying that. That's like it's the same as Mike Tyson. Anytime somebody says he's the greatest boxer alive, he says Ali. Yes, it's true. But he says it out of humility, not because he doesn't think he might could match up against him. Hey, Tuck, you're gonna be excited. We got some Tyson talk later in the pod. Okay. Okay. I got, I got, I got you set up. So, uh, I, yeah, I understand that, but also, uh, Pat McAfee, he could have just been so angry that he didn't get his touchdown in front of his friends and family that he just took all that anger out on that next moment where he tackled someone. That's fair. You know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did. I'm just saying, you know, if we're if we're using McAfee as the as the barometer to test who the best safety is, if Ed Reed had a chance or Sean Taylor had a chance to line up in the C gap across from McAfee, and I'm not sure that they ever did or did it. I honestly don't know. I'm just saying, if each of them, if we got McAfee out there today, we got each of the three out there today, you know, I think only one of them's beating him. I don't know who it is. So, Kellen, is this the moment where I turn it on you and talk to you about professionalism, being prepared? Sorry, sorry, I got, I, I, yeah, yeah, that's that's my bad. But, yeah, no, I, at the end of the day, you're arguing that a punter, who is just the punters actually are just not people, along with kickers and refs, would maybe manhandle the greatest safety of all time. And I, I just can't buy that argument. I'm not saying manhandle, I'm saying score. That's a whole different ballgame. But I think you're forgetting a key factor here, and this is something that I've tried to impart my wisdom on you with many times before, and you just it's just too dense to listen. Don't forget that kickers are the most important player on the field. They just are. Not punters, kickers. It's an undeniable fact in the history of the NFL, kickers have scored more points than any other position, than most other positions combined. They just have. Why? Because they're the most important person on the field. They have not scored more points than any other position. That's just the highest. Sure. The highest scoring players, just going down the list, are all kickers. Okay, but you you literally just said they've scored more points than any other position. You, if you're just going by position, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, all they have, have not more scored more than kickers. kickers. No, the leading scorers in NFL history are kickers, but kickers have not scored more points than quarterbacks, running backs. Wide receivers. That's just not true. That's not true at all. You get six points. You get six points, Tuck. You get six points for a touchdown. How many more field goals are kicked than touchdowns scored? Not that many. No, no, it's not. It's not more. More points are scored from touchdowns than field goals. That's a different. That that's a different argument than saying if you put kickers. No, it's not. It's not though because that's exactly what you said. You said more points are scored by. Kickers than any other position, and it's true. It's not true. It's just it not is. true. Talk. It is. And, and if you take all the points scored right. by running backs in the history of the NFL, and you take all the points scored by kickers in the history of the NFL, mathematically, it is always going to be kickers beating the other position. It just will. It's not. It's not. It's not. And the thing is, it's absolutely not the most important position. It's not. It's not the most significant. They it's score the, the most, and the, the game is determined by who has the most points at the end of the game. It is kickers. 
Chuck, you could you could pull a soccer player in in Europe somewhere, and it's just by sheer. I'm not I'm not getting into this with you anymore because it's just it's like I said. I I'm talking to a brick wall sometimes, and but it just doesn't matter. Kickers do not matter more than any of these other positions. They act the least, and that's and I'm just gonna leave it at that. I also want to talk. About Peyton Manning, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame as well. Biggest forehead in maybe sports history. I don't know. Can you think of a bigger forehead than him? Uh, well, I don't think so. But he, yeah. he scored he scored a ton of touchdowns in his career. Yeah. Guess what? Vinatieri scored more points kicking. Okay, but he, he couldn't have scored. Kukowski, literally, more points kicking. Vinatieri could not have scored any of his points. Without Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, it, it, that's that's also a fact. And I'm leaving it at that. We're done. Peyton Manning is a Hall of Famer. Good for him. Gold jacket. They're gold jackets, right? The, I, the, it's a yellowish thing. The, the, the bust they made of him though was kind too, of insulting. Too handsome. No, he he's way uglier than his bust. They, they made the forehead on the bust much larger than real life. Oh, did they? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Um. I just yeah. I just saw that like I do not think Peyton Manning is an attractive man and his bust was not unattractive so no I'll give you that I'll give you that I didn't think it really matched uh, but yeah he's a Hall of Famer honestly screw the guy took a Super Bowl away from my favorite team so yeah Packers uh, yes yeah you you nailed it there. Me and Aaron Rodgers both hate the same team, and it's the Green Bay Packers, which is kind of special these days. I, I do I do like that that's happening. But do you got anything else to say on Peyton Manning? I think most of our talk was about the Steelers guys. Those are the real the real heroes of the Hall of Fame class. Uh, I've never seen a guy throw a more terrible ball successfully. Yeah. Dude, I mean, dude just threw ducks. That's all he did yeah. his entire career. He said, he said it somewhere. I, I can't remember. But he said spirals are overrated. You know, mm-hmm. half of his touchdown passes were just ducks. So, uh, it, 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 great career. I'll, I'll, I'll admit to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Other NFL news. We have, you know, training camps starting. Guys are starting to get paid some money. Josh Allen got a big contract. Yes, he did. I, th- I think he deserved it. The Bills are an abysmal franchise, historically speaking, and Josh Allen seems to be the answer for them. That's gonna, and now they have him locked down long term. Talk to you like that deal? I love the deal. Um, I'm not super keen on all the specifics, the, the bonuses, the guarantee, the not, all that stuff. The, the reason I love the deal is you're right. The, the Bills have been abysmal for a long time. And it was probably going to continue that way if it wasn't for Josh Allen, some coaching changes, stuff like that. So in my opinion, if you're the Bills and you want to give back to your fans right now, now's the time to splurge a little. All right. That's that's just my opinion there. Right. They went out and they're kind of doing that. They got Stephon Diggs. Right. They got Cole Beasley. They got Josh Allen. They're kind of locking them down. Um, they have whatever remains of a. Some cornerback that Derrick Henry stiff-armed into oblivion. I forget his name. Josh Norman. There we go. Yes. So I guess they have, you know, whatever's left of him. Um, Not a lot. Not a lot of him. The shoes he came out of, maybe. Um, 
But they, yeah, if I'm they him, need a they need a they need a running back still. That's that's what they they, they need do. They do need a running back, and that's why I'm saying if I'm them, screw the salary cap. There's a way to get around it, like there always has been. The Chiefs do it, the Bucks do it. Splurge. Go get somebody that's going to be on a terrible deal for your team. Give yourself two years to make a run, and at least let the fans enjoy it for a little while. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they really have never had the opportunity to uh, enjoy it, and uh, it's kind of sad. But yes, we did mention running backs. Here's here's another running back we could talk about. Saquon Barkley is expected to be back week one of the NFL season. Mark my I words, think... that is bullshit. <laughs> you don't think? Let me just. Here's what I can tell you for an absolute fact. If if there's any fantasy football team owners or general managers listening to this podcast, pick out the person in your life that you hate the most. Tell them you're giving them a gift and give them Saquon Barkley. Do it as soon as possible, okay? Whoever you hate the most, because I guarantee you that as long as he's on my team, which he is right now, he will always tear up something in his leg the first week of the season. Like clockwork. Tuck, you hate me, correct? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry, Kellen. I don't okay, but you. don't, don't, don't trade him to Andrew. Just don't do that. Actually, it doesn't matter. I like, <laughs> not to brag or anything, but I did have the greatest fantasy football team of all time. Tuck can attest to it. We're in the same league. Just like yada yada yada. And Tuck, Tuck will gladly admit to that because he's the only person that was able to beat me all year. And I beat him with an injured Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah. Really just a down week. But, you know, that's fantasy, that's fantasy football talk for you. Back to the real football. What are your thoughts on Saquon? I know you don't think he can stay healthy. Do you think he's a good, run, you think he's a good running back, right? Yeah, I, I, it's, you can't say that he's not a good running back, in my opinion. Yeah, right? okay. It, it, you can't say that. Um, some people want to say that it's the Giants' fault for his injuries, right? Like it's their offensive line. That's bullshit. Listen, Saquon Barkley came from Penn State. If you want a solid franchise running back, don't get him from Penn State. Just don't. Get him from a place where their body's used to taking hits. I actually, I literally was, <laughs> I, I had it in my notes when when I when I found out you were going to be doing the podcast. That like, if Saquon went to a school in the SEC, you would be so much more high on him than what you are. And I don't, I didn't even know. How high? Like I thought you just weren't even a fan of him, or didn't think he was good. Like it would just been one of those crazy Chris Sale takes to me. But you know, you, you still think he's talented and everything. But I just knew if he went to an SEC school, you would have thought so much more high of him. It's not that I would have thought more of him. It's that he'd be more of a man. Okay, that, that's just a fact. So like right now, he's a extremely talented physical specimen. He is. You can't deny that. He's not the quickest, but he's a super strong back. Very, you know, uh, he's got good, great vision. Um, I, I shit on him a lot because he's ruined two fantasy seasons in a row for me. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of, you know, pissed me off. I won't lie. But um, he's just not used to getting hit. He's not, you know, and, and that's, I really think the problem. His body's not used to taking that punishment. And to be fair, there are some schools in the SEC that cannot produce a running back worthwhile to save their life. A lot of schools. Yeah. I mean, the Mississippi schools, Vanderbilt. I, I, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt uh, turned out, they turned out one. He, um, yeah. 
He's down there in Tampa now. Yeah, Vaughn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he but it doesn't even count because he transferred from Illinois, so he's really okay. an Illinois guy. Just saying. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You got, you got to, you got to get that state pride going right there. But yeah, but, Sa- Saquon should be a good back, but if you're, if you're playing fantasy, stay the hell away. Okay, that's a, that's a fair assessment. If you, if you're not thinking he could stay healthy, that's uh, definitely fair. Now, Kelly, I got a question for you. How did you feel about Daniel can't stop tripping over his own feet, Jones, being on the bottom of a scrum pile? Oh. Great question, because this does lead into something I did want to talk about uh, later in the pod. We're just going to talk about it now. You, you you can't have that happen. Even No matter how good you think Daniel Jones is, you just can't have a dog pile on top of your young starting quarterback. That's just a recipe for disaster. Something bad is going to happen. And uh, luckily for the Giants, it didn't happen. Very funny story came from this, though. I don't I don't know if you saw it with uh, Joe Looney. I did. Hilarious. Or, I, I don't know. Hilarious to me. I, I don't know what everyone's judgment of hilarious is. But it's a Giants signed Joe Looney from the Cowboys. Um, and first article comes out from, you know, a Giants uh, news source. says, New York Giants offensive lineman Joe Looney didn't know running penalty laps was a part of business in East Rutherford. But he, in quote, loves it and embraces it. Good for him. Buying into the Joe Judge culture, those fighting Joe Judges. Really, really loving that Giants culture. Next tweet I see. A full team brawl at Giants camp with QB Daniel Jones somehow at the bottom of the pile. Joe Judge is absolutely livid, as he should be. Uh, He's got the players lined up now to run. Next tweet. New York Giants offensive lineman Joe Looney, who was signed over the weekend, has decided to retire. He's the third giant to retire since camp opened. That I mean, <laughs> he said he loves running. It's it's I mean it's just like drinking. It's it's like uh hey I love drinking and then you're hungover. I'm never drinking again. I quit. This is stupid. And eventually you pick it back up. We'll see if he unretires. But uh yeah, Joe Looney was just like oh no, dude, I love running. I love cardio. That stuff's great. And it's like okay, well prove it. Run. He's like, no, actually, I quit. I quit this entire career path that I chose, actually. See, I don't I don't think that's on Joe Looney. I think it's on Joe Judge. I'm going to be I completely honest. And I, I'm i 100% with you. Like, I'll, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, you say anything to get a job, right? You, you People lie in their interviews all the time. Of course oh, yeah. you're going to lie about that. As soon as, like... You know, uh, uh, once once you have to take action, though, which he obviously thought would not happen. He never thought in a million years he would have to run. And nor he should think that. He's 400-pound offensive lineman. That's what I'm saying. If a guy at 300 pounds sits down across from you and says, yeah, I love running laps, and you say, oh, that's wonderful. You'll fit in perfectly here. You deserve to have everybody on your team retire. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is on Joe Judge, there, there's two – Coaches in the modern era, and when I say modern era, I just mean sports since I've been alive, at least in football, that can get away with that I'm the dictator, You, it's my way or the highway, and even if you take my way, your life's going to be pain, but we're going to win, that have gotten away with it. There's Nick Saban at the college level, and there's Bill Belichick at the NFL level. 
And yeah. you see all their all their coaches that leave their coaching tree, right? That that learn under them and then leave. They can never beat them. And most of them, not only can they not beat them, but they don't really have a lot of success. And here's what I've decided it is. This is my opinion here. So it's probably a fact since it's my opinion, but this, okay. this is it. Um, Love that. Those two guys, that some people, when you meet them, even just like walking down the street, scare you, right? There's some people that just you look at them and you're like, I really don't want to cross that guy no matter what. Maybe they're not the tallest. Maybe it's a, a weird face tattoo, right? Um, you know, maybe their name's Kellen Getty, right? Yeah. There, there's different yeah. different aspects about a person that you, you know what I'm talking about. You just see a person, you're like, I really don't want to be on the bad side. Belichick and Saban have that. Neither one of them is physically imposing. You know, they're not they're not shredded. Neither one of them has a violent criminal past, at least that we know about. But there's something I'm- uh, I mean, it's like Saban, he, not on record, certainly. That's what I'm saying. But, That's what I'm saying, yeah. on record, yeah. So that we you know, know for sure. Yeah. But they both, when they walk into a room, they have that it factor that people just automatically like, I don't want to cross that. And what I've noticed they do is they go out and they find these great coaches that don't have that factor, which is why they don't care if they leave. Cool. You came, you learned under me, guess what? I'm going to scare the next guy shitless, and he'll do what I tell him to, and you're not going to be able to beat me because you're going to try to do what I did because it was successful, and you think you have the blueprint. But you're not scary enough. You don't have that intimidation factor that, that I have to actually be able to go out and implement it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. That's, I mean, I don't know if a Saban assistant has ever even beaten him in a game. Never, so. not once. And it, and you see a lot of guys leave the the Belichick coaching tree and they just flame out in two years and I don't know if Joe Judge is gonna flame out uh, he just I but I don't think he's gonna be the guy that leads him back to a Super Bowl anytime soon I don't think the Giants are even lined up to do that uh, but it, he's just he's a guy that people will go crazy for the first two years because of he's a culture guy. You're going to go crazy. Uh, these players are going to try hard for him. And then they're going to realize we're professional athletes. We need a good coach. We're going to stop buying into the culture. And it's going to start going downhill. And the media starts to realize, especially in New York, that, hey, this guy's not that good of a head coach. And I think uh, after this year, those wheels will start to uh, spin a little bit more. I completely agree. Yeah. Last NFL note I want to talk about, and we probably should have addressed it, me and Josh, last week. We forgot to. Uh, Kyle Carson Pitts. W- no, Carson Wentz. Um, we could talk about Kyle Pitts in a second if you want to. But Carson Wentz is surprisingly injured once again. He's not getting surgery, so it's going to be another lingering injury for the rest of the season. And he is 100% going to lose his starting job to Nick Foles again. It's just going to happen. It's inevitable. It's And it's going to be beautiful. The Bears are going to get a first-round pick for Nick Foles. Let's do it. Make it happen. Right? I mean, hey, you know, if that's... Uh, now, to be clear, this is the Carson Wentz of the Colts, right? This is Colts version Carson Wentz, but it's the same offensive coordinator that both these guys had in Philly is the head coach in Indy now. So it just makes so much sense for Nick Foles to take that job. It makes I too much sense. Here's here's the only reason I don't agree with you on the Nick Foles thing. Okay. Everybody and their mother in Indianapolis is going to go crazy for Jacob Eason in game one. Okay? Jacob Eason is going to walk out there. He's going to put on a good show in game one. 
and then he's going to do the same thing at Georgia. They did at Georgia. He's going to finally face a team that is a little bit okay. He's going to piss himself on the field. Okay? The same, yeah. This happened at Georgia. He's going to piss himself on the field, and then he's going to be terrible. He's going to lose his starting job. And it's just that's the way it's going to go. So I'm sorry to all the Colts fans because I don't have anything against the Colts. I'm not a huge NFL guy anyways. I don't have, a ton of, I don't have really anything against them. But you, your future is set in stone. Carson Wentz wasn't going to be a good deal because he'll never play in the playoffs because he's hurt. Okay? Jacob Eason doesn't have any strength at all whatsoever to, to hold down the quarterback position. So I'm hey. guessing who's their third string guy? You do you do not know who their third string is? No. Dude, Sam Ellinger. Oh, well, then they're just, I mean, they're just screwed. <laughs> they're screwed. They're absolutely screwed. I mean, I'd t- I, it's bad. I'd take Ellinger over uh, Charlie Brewer, but that's not saying much. That's like being four feet tall in the land of three-foot midgets. So it's really pick your poison at that point. Colts are in a tough position because they bank, they're banking a lot on Carson Wentz to just stay healthy at this point, but also to stay healthy and be good on top of that is going to be asking for a lot. And I don't know if he can do that. I don't think he can do that. He hasn't proven he can do that the last three years. So we'll see, but that's our NFL for you. We're going to jump into NBA very briefly, and then we'll move on to some segments if that's okay with you. And uh, let's, let's get it started. NBA Luca. He got paid. Got a $207 million extension. Dude's rich. He's going to have a lot of dollar bills. I don't know if it's just going to go the route of every superstar that doesn't get enough talent on his team where he's going to eventually demand a trade. But it's it's looking like it could go that way if they don't add another talent because he needs help on the Mavs so badly. He really I, does. I completely agree. And to be honest, I wouldn't blame him. Uh, you know, a good friend of ours, Brandon's a big Mavs fan, and don't want to see the kid in pain. Obviously, watching his team in Mavs more than you know he has been the last few years watching the Mavs. But enjoy this extension while it lasts. But uh, yeah, two three years he'll be demanding a trade too. Yeah, we'll 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 see how it goes if they're able to get another uh, top level talent with him. That would be that would be great because I do like him with the Mavs. I got nothing against the Mavs or anything, and it would be cool to go to. Go to a Mavs game, you know, in Dallas. See, see Luca play a little bit. That'd be awesome. Uh, other basketball notes, not really NBA related. USA came back. We were all worried, but they won gold. It's okay. JaVale McGee is now an NBA champion and a gold medalist, which is mind-boggling to me. That he's just the biggest meme of an NBA player of all time. And to transition it to the rest of the Olympics, the rest of the world. What the heck are you doing? Like, try to make it difficult for us. We're just still running laps around you. We're not even sending our best athletes anymore, and we're still dominating the Olympics every year. That's that's one of the things that really stands out to me. Because in, in, in MLB, right, in the NFL or in NBA, you'll have these substance abuse problems, performance-enhancing substance, to be, to be clear, right, mm-hmm. or PED issues, right? Players who get suspended for a season, this, that, or the other. We're sending amateurs and only the people that can pass a drug test to the Olympics. We're not sending anywhere close to our A team. I mean, you're sitting here at the the C team at best. And 
I can't remember. I don't. How many years back do you have to go for us not to be the medal leader or the gold leader? It's countless. I mean, it's older than me. It's a dynasty at this point. It's an absolute dynasty, and and it's it's not like we're the most populated country. It's not like we have labs specifically designed for creating these genetic freak athletes like other countries do. That they do all they do is they put them in a lab, they teach them gymnastics for 15 years, and they say go win a gold medal. And then they're like, oh, well we can't because these people are over in the U.S. are just running laps around us right now. They 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 just do it better. And I don't I don't know, but it's just like we're just better at sports. We're just better at that. Anything else maybe not, but sports we just we just do it better. I, I think I think we totally do it better. But at this point. I think that we need to stop lying to the world and to the children of the world. Stop calling it the Olympics. Call it a showcase okay. because that's all it is. We're showcasing the U.S.'s continued dominance over this planet. That's all it is. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. Like, domination, baby. Uh, it, it's, it's what it is, right? That's all the Olympics really are. We're bringing the best of every country together. And when you do that, guess who comes out on top? Not once, not twice, but every single – I mean every four years – other countries go in there, and they're proud of one gold medal. Yeah. Or they're proud to medal. Like, there were countless countries I saw watching the Olympics only half the time this year, and it was like, oh, it's their first medal, or this country's first women's medal. Not their first silver, not their first gold, not their first time having two gold medals. That's their first medal, period. There is not a sport in the Olympics, as far as I know, that we can say, oh, it's our first medal or our first gold. Yeah. We're just too good. I will I will say at least, you know, congrats to China. They always make it they always, you know, make it interesting, certainly. And uh I, I appreciate that from them. I don't think uh dude, they're they honestly they just dominate all the sports I wish I was that good at like ping pong and badminton oh i would love to just shred it up in, in those or even they're pretty good at gymnastics i've heard too i think yeah, they're, they're pretty good at gymnastics um our third string gymnastics we're winning yeah hey dynasty that's all that's all we're saying There's, that's all it it's is. A dynasty. yeah that's all it is uh yeah that's our olympics talk uh it was fun. I really didn't watch that much. I'm going to be honest. I thought the broadcasting was terrible for it. It's just you never knew what things were going to be on. Uh, the replay the replay coverage was bad, and it just couldn't really catch anything. So I thought NBC did a truly terrible job. Congratulations, NBC. You, you messed up hockey. You also messed up the Olympics. You guys really can't do anything right these the days. The Olympics have been going downhill in terms of coverage. Here's the one positive I will say. Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg were hilarious together, which I think everyone that saw that knew they would be. Okay. But now that we know it's a hit, stop messing around. Paris 2024, make them the main broadcast team. Get Bob because Costas out of there and his pink Get Bob eye. Costas out of there. Get whatever the uh, half-Asian dude's name is out of there. Mario something right. um, from entertainment or something. Get him out of there. Put Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg, okay? I know that they're not going to turn that down, okay? And for the U.S., we need something to make it interesting, like we're saying, right? We know that we're going to win most of the golds. So most of the events we're watching are sports that we really don't care about, but they're the only ones that are interesting in terms mm-hmm. of 
it's a who might win. So we need somebody like Kevin Hart. We need somebody like Snoop Dogg. Or get The Rock to commentate it, you know, just to stand next to these supposed amazing athletes to make them look puny, right? Let's get somebody like that to make it a little more interesting for us. Or, or and here's an idea, let's legalize Olympic sport betting. Okay. I didn't even know that was legal. I, I just haven't seen a place to do it. Oh. I, hey, I'm off the sports betting grind, you know, too addictive, that kind of stuff. Can't do it. Well, I'm just saying it. But. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna gamble on sports. It's not my thing. But I would love to watch other people freak out because Uzbekistan didn't place fifth in the water polo trials. Yeah, that would be, that would be, that would be fun for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the Olympics. I the it, it's not surprising. NBC had bad coverage. USA dominated. What else is new? We're gonna move on to our stardom situm. And then jump into a couple segments, and we're going to call it a show. Uh, so I think we got a pretty fun Stardom Sidem for this week. I, I reached out to people, had, got all their ideas on what to include here. So we're doing a Stardom Sidem for fan traditions in sports. And uh, we're going to try to keep it fan-focused, not necessarily like what teams and players do, but try to uh, might accidentally throw in one or two of those here or there. But we're going to keep it fan-focused as possible. What I realized making this list is how great college sports are because most of these amazing, awesome traditions or crazy ones, whatever, either come from like the NHL or college sports. That's typically where the most fun ones come from. My first one, we're just going to get right into it, man. Texas A&M call leaders grabbing their – tugging on their nutsacks uh, to feel pain with their football players. Tuck, what are you doing there? So, I mean, I think it's a really cool I, – I will say, I think it's a cool tradition. If, I, if you're saying start and I'm starting, I'm starting this tradition. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm starting this tradition. Whoa. Uh, unexpected. There's, Very there's unexpected. No reason, there's no reason to sit up. Here's the one drawback, the only drawback. The one – okay, okay. The only drawback. The yellow leaders are in an all-white outfit, Okay. Yeah, don't like where this is going. Have you ever seen what happens? Have you ever seen that? The Kyle Field no. is training. No. So it gets muddy, obviously, because it's a football field. Yep. When they go to do that in their all-white uniforms, it leaves a brown handprint over their nuts for the rest of the time they're in that uniform, and that's when it becomes a little uncomfortable. Okay. That's when it becomes uncomfortable. Okay, whatever. Uh, I'm sitting it. That's weird. I hate A&M, so another incentive to sit it. But that's just super weird. They might be the most cultish fan base in college sports. They're they're so weird, A&M fans. One is thing Denver I do. Or UVA. UVA really is your other. Oh one? yeah. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. I get, you you lived in Virginia longer, so you you would know better than me. They're but the A&M fans are freaking weirdos. That's, that's all I'll say. Uh, next one, we're going to go with uh, Packers fans wearing cheese on their heads. I, I got to sit them. I sit I it. I got to sit them here. Sit anything Packers fans do. And the thing is, they really – they don't wear the cheese on their heads that long because they will inevitably think it's real food because they're stupid and then eat it because they are fat. So it's just uh, – well, it's not really what, that much of a tradition. That's what you think the problem is. My problem with this is they're not living in a hot part of the country, right? 
Mm-hmm. They're in Green Bay. It's cold most of the time. Irresponsible, Frank. Why the f- is it not real cheese? Oh, hey, whoa. Why the F? Why the F is it not real cheese? I'm going to have to censor that, Tuck. Come on. My make, bad. Make, making the editing more difficult here. Come yeah, on. That's, that's my bad. Not you talking about genetics and the way they play into sports. Oh, I'm, I, I have no shame in what I said there. Okay. Well, that's like, I, I said it's not the genetic thing, so there we go. Nailed it. There's no reason it shouldn't be real cheese. There just isn't. Okay. Interesting. Like, I, I have to sit it for that purpose alone. Okay. I think there's plenty of reasons it's not real cheese. It's just... Uh, that's but, incorrect. Okay. I, I don't know what to say here. Uh, next one, we're going to go with uh, Pittsburgh fans uh, having black and yellow for all their sports teams. The, the 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 traditions me is saying sit it. Hey, sit we, reminder, you're filling in for Josh. We need we need. I understand. No, no, hear me out here. The traditional, right. like the me that loves traditions in college sports or in sports in general, is saying sit them. But my wallet and budgetary me is saying start them every day. Just think yeah. about it. I can go buy a black shirt and a yellow shirt, and I've got my teams covered for the whole year. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm starting it. I think it's it's the only city that does that for all their professional teams in, in the U.S. And it's kind of surprising that it is, but it just makes it even more special. Steel uh, City, they're always bonded in those three teams, and one just consistently stinks worse than all the others, and that's the Pirates. I would say 100% start it if it was some if it was a trend that had caught on. Okay, that's fair. Next, Dixieland delight, baby. Alabama. Here, here's what I'll say. If it's at Bryant-Denny in Tuscaloosa, where the whole damn place is shaking, start at 100%. But when they try to play Dixieland Delight like they did in 2019, or I'm sorry, yeah, in the fall of 2019, at Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama, while losing, then it is not fun. Then sit it. What do you mean? They're not in charge of the music at that stadium. Their fans are known for doing this. If you know Alabama fans, you've been to a game. They all try to play it on their phones, their speakers, whatever they can get into a stadium at the end of the third quarter, no matter where they are. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely starting it uh, at Alabama then because yes. it's so it's so fun to hear a crowd of 100,000-plus people yell – the F word at one time at it's a specific blast. school and the school and, that they're playing. And and one of the things that makes it better in my, at least in my opinion is, you know, a lot of these traditions that you do it at every game, regardless of how your team's doing. Right. But every tradition is more fun when you're winning. Yeah. So for them, typically it's done while winning. Mm-hmm. As, yeah, it's it's easier to have a tradition when your team is a winner, certainly. All right, about to get real biased here, Tuck. Okay. A two-parter, Baylor Bears, the Sikkim slash running the line. How is this even difficult for you? Wait, the Sikkim 100%. The Sikkim 100% started. Running the Dude, line... What? Line? Are you you're you can't sit running the line? Running? Listen, non-COVID running the line, 100% started. Yeah, definitely. 
That's what I'm It's like one of, it's one of the most, in my opinion. 99% of the line runs have been non-COVID. It were just, you can't relate everything back to COVID here, Tuck. It's, it's all non-COVID, what we're imagining here. We're almost in a non-COVID world, hopefully. Then but running the line. And I, I love running the line because, I, I mean, I hated doing it. I, well, I loved it. It's weird. This is why I, I'm starting it is because the only people dumb enough to do it are the freshmen at Baylor, and that's exactly who they get to do it. And they get sick of it by the end of their freshman year just enough to become sophomores. Now they don't have to do it anymore. Then they miss it enough by their last game, senior year, that all the seniors get to run it. It's, it's like a perfect tradition. You just shove those dumb freshmen there. They pack pack them in, Get have like 10 of them get heat stroke because they're there for – eight hours before and packed together like sardines. It's such a college thing to do. It's so, and it's just beautiful. And then the Sikkim on top of that, it's, uh, I I think uh, Jared Butler described the Sikkim really well was like, you know, if you're, if you're just one person doing a Sikkim, it's kind of weird, but when you have like a stadium full of people, it's awesome. It's just fun to be a part of that group. In in my opinion, they've upped the Sikkim. At the Baylor basketball games, when they shut the lights out in the Ferrell Center, and everybody's got the glow bracelets on, or whatever you call them, the glow stick bracelets on, and you get everybody doing the sick of in the dark with the glow there and the way it moves the light, Yeah, it's even better. Yep, 100%. Baylor has really perfected college athletics is, I guess, what we're saying here. They've, they've perfected tradition. Tradition, and, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Next one is... My personal favorite, I'm going to tell you I'm starting this already, it is Silent Night at Taylor University. They The crowd m- remains dead silent until I think their 10th point of the game, something like that. Yep. And then the cl- crowd absolutely erupts, goes bananas. They pretty much like storm the court. It's the rowdiest you'll ever see any college basketball arena. And I'm starting it for that reason. It's college basketball, which I love. It's a smaller school, which is awesome, and it's just absolute electricity, crazy fans, crazy crowd. It's great. I, I love the tradition. I love watching clips of it. Uh, it it's a really cool tradition. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I could do it because I don't know if I could go 10 points without shit-talking the other team. Yeah, no, 100%. There's no way you would be able to do it. Yeah. It, it's It's one of those sporting events where it's on my bucket list of things to do. I would, abso- I would absolutely not invite you to do it because I'm like, he's just going to ruin it. He's good. I'll, I'll, he can come inside when the 10th point is scored and we can go crazy together, but he's staying outside until then. That's 100% fair. Yeah, it def- yeah, definitely. Next one, let's go with – let me look at my list here. We're going to go with – just go with the Gator Chomp. So one of our – I shouldn't say friend, a person that we know, Joel. Um, wow. Said that, he, said, that he wanted wow. To sit, said that he wanted to sit this tradition. Now, make it very clear. While I am a Florida fan, I'm objective and unbiased at all times. As, as um, we on this podcast. Yeah, as we all are. And that's what this podcast requires, right? Mm-hmm. So the Gator Chomp, I will say there's, there's one danger. In the gator chop. You can't do it with just one hand. Because if you do, you look like a Nazi. Yep, that's a fact. 
That's the one negative behind the gator chomp. That's the only one. It gives you permission to hit the person in front of you in the stand. You can extend your arms. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, it's clapping. It's getting loud. It's getting rowdy. It actually looks like the mascot. Not a lot of people can do that. Okay. Kellen, you'd have to grow a hell of a lot more body hair to look like a bear. I'm sorry. You just would. I'm getting okay? there, dude. So, it, you get to look like a mascot. Everybody knows how to do it. Everybody can do it, except... You know, if somebody doesn't have arms, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, maybe use your legs, you know. Um, yeah. Lay down, use your legs. If, uh, if you don't have any arms or legs, um, you've got bigger problems than not being able to do a gator chomp. So. My my one issue with it is it's like horns down. It's just too easy to make fun of. Because when you score on Florida, everybody's doing the gator chomp, dude. Everybody does it. Yeah, yeah, it is easy to turn around. Um, it's it's uh, I'll give you that. It's it's an easy to flip, easy to flip tradition. Um, but it's an extremely tough tradition to flip in the swamp. Even in Florida's worst years, our home records are good, right? The swamp is a very tough place to go in and win. Um, so I, I get how it might be on the fence here. But uh, it's it's got to be a stardom. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Next one we're going to go is uh, college kids camping out for a big game. You know, whether, whether it's college game day or like Duke, North Carolina, people at Duke always camp out for that game just to get tickets. I know uh, we've done it several times. Uh, we've had the honor of having great sports teams at Baylor. Got to camp out for OU Baylor college game day. Uh, Kansas, Kansas, Baylor, Baylor. Kansas, Kansas Baylor college game day. You know, I, I'm getting text messages from Ryan saying, Hey, you ready for the game today? I'm like, I never went to sleep. Of course I'm ready. So, uh, what are you, what are you doing there? Camping out. If it's game day, if it's a college game day coming to your start at a hundred percent. Yeah. If you're going to Duke or North Carolina, the only reason you're camping out is because your football team suck and you've got nothing better to do with the time that you've saved studying instead of going to watch a good team play football. Well, it's always college game day for Duke, North Carolina for college basketball. So you, you get what I'm saying. If it's not a, if it's not a game day, I don't agree with the camping out. Here's what okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't get in line. Go get in line early, right? Wake up early in the morning. Go get in line. But the camping. That's that's for college game day. That's their thing. All right. Um, and I will say now that uh, now that college sports has been monetized, I'm not sure that we'll see camping out for much longer. Uh, what, how? Why, why wouldn't fans camp out still? So uh, this quick, quick point. You know, I'll try to make it very quick here. I'm not saying that that's going to be the direct cause of them, but the NCAA is going to die. It is. Um, if you look at the way it's going, they're going to lose a lot of their revenue with individual players not having to go to agents that they get kickbacks from. Whole revenue streams pretty messed up. I'm saying that this uh, Supreme Court decision allowed players to make money off their name and likeness. It's going to take money away from them. Most schools, if you look at the breakdown, actually lose money on sports, specifically, especially the Division One schools. Most do. Baylor doesn't. You know, those schools with a history of winning don't. Um, but most schools lose money on sports. And you're going to see 
now that the NCAA is not in charge, and now that these areas have to be set aside to where you can't charge to be on them, schools are going to start charging for the ability to camp out. Now, I'm not thinking it'll be crazy, but less people are going to go and they have to pay to camp out. They just are. Like everything free has a crowd. And uh, as we get closer to the four super conferences with no NCAA, stuff like that's slowly going to die out. See, I, I disagree because a lot of the way these schools are set up already, it's just none of that. A lot of this stuff isn't even happening through the school. So, like, for instance, Baylor, um, that those events aren't happening through the school. The stadium is run by Baylor Bears Sports Properties, which is a, a partner of Learfield, not even Baylor. And then the actual events itself is being run by ESPN. Uh, it's not run by the NCAA, so it's it's separate entities, it, and uh, they're always going to offer it for free because, I mean, ESPN's got Oodles money. There, it's Disney. They're going to make money off that anyways. That it, it's just like it, it's going to be something that I don't think would ever die. I think that's just very unrelated. Um, uh, the, it's just not that's not going to be something that's affected, especially for big games. Uh, but next. Tradition is we're going to go with a Sandstorm at South Carolina. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to sit them. Yeah. Um, no school with a name in it, in my opinion, gets a tradition besides whipping it out that you can start. Oh, God damn it, Tuck. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't even, I think I have to cut that, right? You can't. Right? Their name is Gamecocks. Yeah, but you the everything that you said after that was just not good. It was no, not good. I'm dead serious. I'm 100% okay. serious. Changing changing subject. What about uh, jump around Wisconsin? What are you doing there? Similar vibes to Sandstorm at um at South Carolina, but here's a different here's a different know. reason. I'm sitting that because everybody and their mother does it at every sporting event ever. True. It's not really special to Wisconsin. I don't there think. There we go. Yeah, they think it is, but it's just really not. It's uh, yeah. It, I've never been not. to a game in Wisconsin where they did it, so maybe there's something different they do that makes it special. But from what I know, sit it. What about the wave at Iowa games? Yeah. Okay, you need the hospital? wave to the children's hospital. A hundred percent start. A hundred percent. It's so- almost. You almost got me by just saying the wave. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, we're sitting the wave for sure. All sporting events, wave sucks, dude. It, it's yeah. terrible. We're not Iowa's waiting. wave start. Yeah, yeah, it's that's it's just wholesome content every time they do it. And even though I hate Iowa, I can't stand them. That's just that's cool. Everybody loves yeah, that. Yeah, there's nothing negative about it. Yeah. All right, we're gonna do. Let's, say, let's do two more here. How's that sound? Okay. Then we'll call it. Uh, next one. This is one of my all-time favorites: the sausage race at at Miller Park. And try to. Keep it tame here, Tuck, okay? I know I said sausage. They're in competition with one another. Plenty of jokes can be made. Let the fans' imaginations run wild instead of your own, okay? What are we doing here? Uh, I, I'm going to start it. I'm okay. going to start it. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely could make a joke about, you know, I typically don't try to be the first one to have my meat finished, but, you know. Um, <laughs> I could joke about this, which I will not. 
I, did, I didn't say it. I said that I could say it. Um, All you're doing is making my bedtime later now because now I have to edit stuff. So thanks a lot, dude. You know what that but, sounds like? Not my problem. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, so, look, I, I'm definitely going to start it. But here's what I'll say. There needs to be less teams that do some type of gimmick race. Yeah, I agree. Everybody everybody picked up on something. I don't mind the president's race at National Park, but that's about as far as I'll go because they have like the dot race or something at at the Rangers Stadium. It's just like a lot the of the Braves the Braves have the Home Depot tools race with a paintbrush, a screwdriver, and a hammer. See, the Braves already have a good race with the freeze. They don't yeah. need another stupid race that they obviously copied from somebody. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and the, Bra- the like the Braves crushed with that because they were really the first team that did that, just like the Brewers were the first team to do the sausage race, and then everybody picked. And nobody else has the freeze yet, really. So, uh, yeah, that is definitely unique to the to the Braves right there. Uh, I'm starting it uh, the sausage race because that was like I got I got one of the bobbleheads number two um, in, in here, so I just always love seeing that. Uh, but we'll do one last one. Uh, let's go with Auburn, TPing the tree. Okay, so first off, I will. Good afternoon, or good evening, y'all. My name is Trey Tucker. I'm the other host of the Totally Unbiased Sports Podcast here. So I'm going to try and make up for what uh, Kellen just ruined right Please. there. There is no TPing the tree, there's okay. rolling tumors corner. Okay. okay, so that's it's on Tumor's Corner in downtown Auburn, Auburn, Alabama. Um, you have to start it. I, yes. I apologize. I, you know, I'm just trying to introduce it, okay? Hey, no, okay. I understand. I just want to make sure, special to me, did that many times as a kid. Um, so basically, for those that don't know, it's uh, everybody, it's after Auburn wins a home game, everybody gets toilet paper, they go out to Tumor's Corner, they have trees set up. Uh, you know, obviously planted around that corner of the, the campus and you roll the trees. Um, 100% you have to start it. It's an absolute blast. Kellen, hopefully you'll be going this fall. Hopefully we'll get to see Tumor's Corner be rolled this fall at the Iron Bowl. Um, it, what, what's really special about it, uh, obviously it has some weird, uh, really cool origin story like all traditions do, but it's a... Uh, it's a, it's a different environment because that entire stadium empties out to Tumor's Corner. Like, that's how you leave. So all 88,000, 90,000 people, whatever it is now in Jordan-Hare, are at this one little one-mile square. And there are thousands and thousands of rolls of toilet paper. Everywhere you look, people are getting just domed with a roll of toilet paper coming out of nowhere through the sky. Uh Kind of looks like a winter wonderland, but, you know, made of, like, extra porta potties. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a sight to see, and um, I'll set it just because you love it so much. So just out of spite, I'm going to set it. Uh, but, you know, there's a ton of other traditions that we could have mentioned, and, you know, we obviously didn't get to them all. We'll probably do something with it later. But uh, that's what we got for you so far, just to, you know, keep this a little bit time-sensitive. Uh, we're going to jump into some segments, call it a show. It's been a good one so far, so let's let's finish strong here, Tuck. Uh, we're going to do player, coach, fan base, tweet of the week. Tuck, who do you have for your player of the week? Players, Ozzy Albies. 
Um, I kind of alluded to this earlier. The man's on fire right now uh, at the plate. He's always been locked down in the field. He's on fire at the plate. He's got one of the coolest righty batting stances in the world. He's practically standing facing the pitcher, just open as can be. Um, and right now he's hitting tanks, 18 home runs on the year for a second baseman, uh, not even a large, ugly-sized second baseman. Um, you know, gotta so got to be Albies. What about you, though, Kellen? Who's your player of the week? Uh, so we talked about him earlier, but it's uh, it's Joe Looney is my first player of the week. Um, just just a great saga that we got to see there. Oh, so we get multiple players of the week? Uh, yeah, you could you could go with another. My other one is going to be Calvin Johnson, also inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. In my opinion, the most talented receiver of all time. And the reason I say that is very selfish because uh, Peanut Tillman consistently dominated him. So Peanut Tillman might be the greatest cornerback of all time. Who knows? Should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He isn't unfair. Uh, but anyways, I also say say Calvin Johnson was so great because that, that means I don't have to secede in my sweetness argument and give the Lions Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, whose careers you both ruined. I could just say sweetness is the greatest running back of all time because he obviously is. So Calvin Johnson, congratulations. Great, great career. One of my favorite players to watch, even though you played for one of my least favorite teams. So that's my other player of the week. Great receiver. Can't deny that at all. Not certain he deserved to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, but um Hey, when you have when you have to put up it's not like he played a long career, but I mean that's that's uh, a third see, year career in Detroit. Okay, so I, I get that argument with Detroit. The only reason I say I'm not sure is kind of out of spite just because um he he could have still dominated almost every cornerback in the league when he retired. Um, I'm sure he did it for health reasons, like he said. Um, but I feel like him retiring kind of added ammunition to the CTE argument, which helped weaken the game of football a little faster. So I'm mad at him for that. Um, okay. Whoa. Just putting it out there. So I feel like he should have been a second ballot just because of that. Uh, second player of the week for me, um, you know, just kind of coming back to the tumor's corner thing, uh, Aaron Rodgers. By agreeing to play for Green Bay this year, he did two things for me. He guaranteed your pain, Kellen, for another year. Yep. Um, just, I mean, he just did. We know that he's going to ball out against the Bears. Yeah, um, but the Bears do have the greatest quarterback of all time on their roster now, which is pretty great, pretty special. Not in the quarterback but, position they don't. Justin yep. Fields may be a running back. Um, position they do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. No, he's not Tebow. He can't do it all. Um, but regardless, you know, look. I hate you. I hate you so I'm just, much. I'm just being honest here. So Aaron Rodgers gave me the first present of, of 2021 by agreeing to beat up on the Bears again. And he gave me an even better present, an even better present to look forward to in 2022 when he completely breaks Andrew Patterson's heart and leaves for a team that he will then use to shit on the Packers for the rest of his career. I'm getting two presents for the price of nothing. So I'm happy as can be. I didn't realize you like watching the Bears lose as much as you like watching Andrews teams lose. That's kind of, it, I'm kind not, of offended. It's not right even now. close. It's not even close. But here's what I'll say. You had bad things to say about two of the traditions I love in the Gator Chop and Rolling Tumors Corner. So I'm now going to enjoy. It's okay. First off. No, 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 no. no. It's too late. Second one, was at, second one was out of spite. I clearly stated that. There was no reason to it. 
The Gator Chomp, all I said was it's easy to make fun of. And you agreed with me on that. You agreed. I did agree. And now I'm agreeing with myself that I'm going to watch Aaron Rodgers dump five touchdowns against the Bears this year. Okay. You're cold-blooded, dude. That's that's pretty sick. Uh, okay. Uh, coach of the week. Uh, my coach of the week is the late, great Bobby Bowden. Uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Second all-time winningest coach college in college football history. Two national championships. Really consistent. I mean, Florida State finished like a million years in a row in the top five. Re- recruited some all-time talents to play there. So some all-time legends of the game have played at Florida State. Passed away. Uh, 91 years old, so long, good life. But uh, just a just a great and uh, just to end the Bobby Bowden talk is something hilarious I heard from my dad this week saying, "Yeah, I like Bobby Bowden a lot more than I like Joe Pa." Like, I think everyone does, dude. I think actually everyone that has ever existed does, because why wouldn't they? <laughs> it's like that's, it's like, that's... It's like comparing Jesus to Satan. It's, yeah, it's that's, that's, that wasn't a tough comparison, but, I mean, yeah. technically he was right. So He was right, yeah. It's not – yeah. My, my coach of the week is Dave Aranda. Um, I know it was a little bit of last week's news, but it made me, but it made me happy this week too. Um, Baylor's going to play a linebacker at running back this year, and oh. that makes me extremely happy that we're going to continue to be the hardest-hitting team in the Big 12. Um Arguably, maybe the hardest-hitting team in the Big 12 and the SEC, considering now half the Big 12 is the SEC. Um, so it's just, it's just, it's giving me something to look forward to. I'm going to get to watch our top defense in the Big 12 score touchdowns running the ball against, you know, Oklahoma as they choke and Texas as they choke. Or I, I would say TCU, but that's not really a challenge. Um, yeah. Also. Shout out Scott Drew getting a getting a top five recruit for their well, like Scott Drew, he officially turning us into a dynasty right now. We're a dynasty. He, I, I think Scott Drew is already locked in his ballot for coach of the century. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Not even close. Not even a close second, really. Uh, let's move on to our fan base of the week. Tuck, who do you have? I got the Alabama fan base, Alabama football fan base, and here's why they have continued their tradition of being. Just god-awful fans uh, for their team. Alabama has already started a petition to try to submit to the SEC to not allow certain refs to ref their football games this year. Um, And this is in response to last year was the very first time in SEC history that Alabama did not have the least holding penalties called against them out of all teams in the SEC. I, w- I was going to say, what does Alabama have to complain about? They only win. They, they w- w- Like, what ref is screwing them out of a football game? They only win football games. That's all they do. Last year was the first time in SEC history that Alabama did not have the fewest holding penalties called against them of any team in the SEC. And so after being second to last, having the second fewest, they said, we need to start a petition against some referees. Smart, smart. Get those Karens together. Get get some get some action happening in the offseason. Nothing, nothing's gonna come of it because they all leave at the end of the first quarter when they're up forty to nothing anyway. So. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Um, 
my fan base of the week is it's girls in the DFW area because I don't know if you've heard, but I've been going to the gym lately and um, getting some pythons for arms tuck and want a nice little workout routine. Feeling a little sore tonight, but uh, you know nothing a little little Chick Fil A can't handle. So yeah. Let me you're gas welcome. you up. A, let me gas you up a little bit here, Kellen. How about yeah. leg press go today? Gas me up a little bit, dude. I I was doing four plates on either side. So for those of y'all that don't know, and I know people are not going to believe me, so I'll have Kellen take a video. Uh, I'll take a video next time. Uh, four plates on each side of a leg press machine. We're gonna start sitting, posting videos. Me, uh, you are. Yeah, I'm not, because I mean, Sweet. you know. Uh, four plates on a leg press machine means four plates on each side, eight plates total, 45 pounds a piece. So just a plate weight, you're looking at 360 pounds. The machine has a base weight of, I think yours is 118 or 103. Those are the two weights that the Lifetime Fitness machines have. Um, so, so Kellen's looking at around 470-ish pounds on his leg press right now. Um, the ladies oh. are there for the quads. I mean, that's what it's for. Yeah, it's not a big deal. It's just I'm incredibly strong and in great shape right now. That's that's just that's all there is to it. it it's just not it's not a big deal though. It's just I'm I'm looking like a snack. That's and hey, you know what? Here's what I'll do. So for the for the listeners of Totally Unbiased Sports, just to submit, but not submit, submit my place as truly the new co-host of Totally Unbiased Sports. <laughs> okay. Um. Here's what I'll do. I, I've made this workout plan for Kellen, for Brandon, for a few other people. And uh, for any any member or any listener of Totally Unbiased Sports that wants it, feel free to contact Kellen, contact Josh. Uh, by, now, do this contact by leaving a review of the podcast, all right? If you leave a five-star review of the podcast and you're, you're asking for this workout plan, I'll be happy to send it to you. Sweet. Yeah, he's like a, he's like an actual trainer. It's kind of cool. I but yeah, so that's my fan base of the week. We're going to end with Tweet of the Week. Tuck, I know you're not on Twitter, but I have something for you that you can easily engage in. I prefaced it earlier in the episode. Uh, but the tweet comes from at Dunk Topic saying, LeBron James with two years of training versus prime, <laughs> versus prime Mike Tyson. Who do you got? <laughs> I get why that's a tweet of the week. Um, what? I, I'm going to try it, my best to hold back from diving into every reason Mike Tyson wins that, because I think everybody knows. Yeah. And I will just leave it at LeBron James is on the ground for four minutes when the air of somebody's hand brushing by his face as he gets near the basket is a little too harsh for his eye. He then says that he can't see. In boxing, the longest you have is a 10 count. That's all I'll say. You're forgetting forgetting he's got two years of training to to get to prime Mike Tyson level. Prime. It's not just like the end of now Mike Tyson. Prime. How how old is LeBron? I don't. He's He's 30-something, right? Yeah. So he's had 30-something years of basketball training, and he's still the worst ever to do it in his sport? Gotcha. Two years of boxing is not going to help. Yeah. Yeah, my, my <sighs> thing, my thing, it just comes, it, it, it comes back to, like, when people have those arguments, like, would you take a punch from Mike Tyson to the face for a million dollars? Like, 
I wouldn't even do that. No, because I'm not getting that million dollars. I'm dead. I'm dead on arrival. I'm a dead person if he punches me in the face. Nobody's seeing that cash. That's non-existent. I'm going to end with my tweet of the week here. Now, I will be honest. It's it's not a tweet. It it is a tweet quoting something that uh, a man said on live television. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go. I know this is not a politics podcast. I'm not going to get into any of that. But this is the exact statement by somebody who's being investigated for sexual harassment. Okay? This is a man, a New York man, that a lot of people have seen on the news recently. And... When asked if he was a pervert, his response might be the only thing to ever rival the response of Sandusky when he was asked, are you attracted to children? Or R. Kelly. This, or R. Kelly, yes. This man, when asked, are you a pervert, said, and I quote, I'm not a pervert, I'm just Italian. Yikes. R.I.P. all Italians. Yeah, either, I mean, so I guess... Uh, you know, before you go to bed tonight, ask yourself, where are your children? Do you know who they're hanging out with? Are they Italians? <laughs> yeah, you better, you, yeah, you better hope not. But yeah, our, yeah, that's not a good response. That's our show. We're, we'll end it there, I guess. I don't, I don't know why uh, we're ending it there. We'll see if, we'll see if that, that'll make the pod. We'll see if that makes radio. But, uh, yeah, Tuck, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate you filling in. I, I'm glad I could. You know, you said that that's going to make the pod. You'll see if it makes radio. Look, here's what we know at the end of this podcast today, right? This is still totally unbiased sports. It's still totally unbiased. The only difference is that I'm not here to just make the pod. I'm not here to make radio. I'm not, I'm not here to make Josh sad or mad or upset. You know, I love Josh to death. He's been a great host. But I'm here because, to be honest, I make the news. I make the headlines. That's what I do. I'm glad I was able to come on Totally Unbiased Sports. Thank you, Kellen, and do this. Uh, so don't, don't be sad for Josh. You know, he left the pot in good hands. Um, and I'll say it now so that you don't have to hear it from anybody else. I'll see you all again next week. Yep. See you next time. Bye.